Shasta Bell of Shasta Bell Calligraphy. And I'm Michaela Marie Manu of Ink and Presco. And welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about part two of going into our entire process, basically what our whole client experience is like. Last week, we covered inquiries, we covered um, proposals and everything in between. Now we're going to dig into contracts, booking, scheduling. Hopefully, we'll get all the way through like content draft, you know, production shipping. I don't know if we will because it's a lot. What do you think? I also don't think we will. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get through everything because there are so many of these like subcategories that are honestly standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of additional information to come. And I know that we kind of mentioned this in like the first part that we're just providing a framework. And so we kind of want to finish up that framework. And, and like Shasta said, hopefully we will get through everything, but also know that there's going to be kind of like little asterisks where we say breakout episode. Yes, exactly. There's going to be a breakout episode for this specific thing to come because so many of these topics deserve a standalone episode. Absolutely. I would, they're so rich. And as I was editing the episode last week, I was just, my brain was like exploding. I was like, oh, we talk about this and talk about this. And yet also noticing how hard it is to stay within the framework of we're just talking about like the basics of these steps because we I know so <laughs> and we go on like side tangents because I'm like about this and then I'm like hey no 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 this is just an overview it's yes. just a framework it's just like a general process and then we are going to come back in and like just micro mm-hmm. put, put everything under a microscope we're gonna mm-hmm. like dissect it all Yes. And I, I love the way you framed it last time where we were last episode was like advertising your work to up to the point of someone booked. So now we're like, someone has booked with you. What do you do? And the first step is to get there was proposals. And then do you want to start with contracts or do you want to go straight into book? Do we cover contracts? Yeah. No. So we haven't done like they've booked you. We covered all the way up from honestly where to host a website up until you send them the proposal. So Mm -hmm. where we ended, if you haven't listened to the first part of this like combo episode, please do. And where we left off is you've sent them your email, you've sent them your proposal. Now what? So for me, when I send them my quote proposal, I have a email template that I send to them. And then there is a link in that email that guides them over to their client portal. That's part of my project management system. Again, I know we talked about this in the last episode. I use Dubsado and they make it so easy to do this type of proposal format. We mentioned this in the last episode, how we used to like, Jerry rig things and I would have yeah. to send <laughs> you'd send like these pdfs or you'd send like screenshots or whatever it was in an email what I am completely in love with is that not only is this in a proposal or excuse me not only is this in a portal that they can access anytime they want when you send them that link it just brings them right to the document and what's so great about Dubsado proposals is the document you can attach uh well it's hosted online so when i say document it's just like a web page that pops up Mm -hmm. and it's got the contract and the invoice attached to it so they can go boom 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 select what they want on the proposal go to the contract read it hopefully they read it it doesn't happen every time sign it 
and then it goes right to their invoice and they can pay their yes. retainer or all at once, depending on how you do your pricing structure. Yes. So let's kind of break down and go through each of those three pages, because like Shasta said with Dubsado, they haven't worked out that it's almost like you can kind of think of it as like different taps. Mm -hmm. And the first tab has the proposal. The second tab has your contract. And then the third tab has the invoice where they can submit payment. So mm -hmm. for me on my proposal page, I have a like little kind of like cover letter at the beginning. It's just like the top part that says like the client name, um, the like location. That yeah. Like a header. Yeah. It's just, um, just to let them know they're in the right place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a title page. <laughs> yes. And then below that, I have a mood board. Um, I let them know that the mood board is not an official proof, but it's just kind of there to give like general information. Mm -hmm. I know some people do a little bit more of like a draft here. It kind of depends on the project for me. For my semi-custom collection, I just have a mood board there that aligns with what they told me in their quote proposal. So if they mention any specific colors, if they mention that they want a wax seal or something, I kind of have those elements in the mood board. If it is a custom designed invitation suite and we've already had a consultation call where we've kind of talked about some ideas and some different materials, then I'll kind of have like the mood board incorporate some of those ideas that we've discussed. So basically the mood board is kind of there to communicate the numbers below. Mm -hmm. And then below the mood board is the actual invoice and the different line items for what is being proposed to them. Now, I, below that, um, it kind of depends again on the project. Sometimes I quote for everything within their invitation suite up front. So I'll include, I'll, I'll quote for the cards, the envelopes, the stamps, the calligraphy addressing, embellishments. the wax seal, mm -hmm. any of the embellishments. If I am working with a client who is a little bit more conscious about their allocated amount and we're kind of seeing how we can work together to make this work, then I will quote for the cards and the envelopes. And then down below that, I will have a menu, basically like an a la carte Mm -hmm. Yeah, menu for them to be able to kind of pick and choose some of the details. And you can build all of this through Dubsado. They have a really, really powerful system where you can kind of create an invoice, kind of create that proposal to be custom to your needs. It's and a template, so you don't have to yes. really recreate it every time. Yeah, it's oh like a drag and drop. Are you just like bursting about how many details you want to give? I'm like having to rein myself in. I'm like, about, how do we make this a visual thing? I'm like, come yeah. to my online video seminar and I'll show like, you. I want to show you how great, uh, well, how great is in the sense that like everything that, I don't know about you, but everything is always a work in process. And so it's really evolved over the years. Like mm -hmm. something that I include now is a book by date at the top. It's kind of like an expiration date, like, Everything in here is applicable to you and is all great to go if you book by this time, including the timing that we agreed on. And I just, I can't wait for our episode about proposals because all that stuff is just so helpful when yeah. you finally get those details and it saves so many problems. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that. And I keep saying this because it's true. 
I'm learning so much from you because I have that in the actual email. I let them know that their quote is valid for two weeks, Mm -hmm. but I think it would be so amazing to have that listed in their proposal that you have to book by this date to be able to secure the below. Mm -hmm. I've never thought of that for some reason. (laughs) I'm now going to incorporate it. Oh my gosh. You know, what's so great is that, okay, I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to get in the weeds, but you can make it a smart field in Dubsado. So like I, I just like when I'm, oh, I'm just bursting. When we get into the scheduling section, I have like this whole system where I boom, 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 hit all these like key dates in that are based yeah. on like a quick calculator. And anyways, it just automatically gets put up there based on. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know that we've like, obviously like met in person before to have our filming sessions. Like I came to Minneapolis for the first Cultivate. You came here to Scottsdale for the second Cultivate. But honestly, I want to do not even like a video recording for cultivate, but like a a mini retreat, (laughs) just you and I, and we just like sit side by side and like help each other, like refine the different areas out. Yeah. Because I feel like it would just be so fun to like sit side by side with you and just be like, what are areas in my workflow that you would like recommend sprucing up? And like, we could almost just like hand each other each other's laptop and I'm like hey let me like work on yours you work on mine you know what I mean that would just be so fun I love that (laughs) oh my gosh it's just amazing how because no one can be everything like there are certain things that you discover at different times and you innovate certain areas Mm -hmm. and like when you can mind meld that it's so helpful yeah it's so true Yeah. So that is kind of what the general like proposal page looks like. At the very bottom of that, I have a proposal approval area, like a little segment, and Mm -hmm. they can either check a box that lets me know that they're not interested. They Mm -hmm. can check a box that lets me know that they like what they're seeing, but they have a couple of revisions. And then there's an area where they can let me know, hey, like I actually need a hundred instead of 150. Mm -hmm. Or they can approve of their quote proposal as is have you ever had anyone do that yes I have (laughs) very seldom but it's it's typically the people where like we've already talked about it beforehand you know Mm -hmm. um there have been maybe like three incidents where I got a quote request I sent them a quote proposal and they just approved it and paid the invoice within like 24 hours and I'm like (laughs) dream you make this way too easy <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong where's the other shoe gonna drop truly I'm like well, no what's the catch <laughs> I I don't think I've ever had anyone hit the bottom one which is like no I'm not interested they just ghost you yes yes yeah I'm like there's a reason the button is there I'm not offended I just want to know so I don't have to send you a follow-up email <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of what my overview looks like. Before we jump into the, the next two tabs, what is your proposal overview look like? I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar. Like no notes almost like same identical okay. as yours. I want to say it's the, um, no, I mean, it's really similar. I break mine out to, oh, there is a difference. And I think I might've mentioned this in the last episode. I can't remember. I offer for especially for semi-custom clients or custom clients who are a little more budget conscious, like you said, I always include a, I call it like a luxe package mm-hmm. and then a budget-friendly package. And when I say package, I'm just doing the basic, the basics of the suite. So like the cards and the envelopes and then anything as far as addressing embellishments is all broken out in like an a la carte section. The only time I don't do that is a custom client who we've already really nailed down what they want. And the reason I do that 
is because I don't want to go back in and like have to do that later. And I want to encourage them if they are a little more budget conscious. And when I say budget conscious, we're talking like people who have budgets that I'd accept, but they're they're trying to find within that range where they want to settle. Right. They're like, I can't do vintage stamps and calligraphy. So I'm considering vintage stamps with digital addressing or standard postage with Mm -hmm. calligraphy. Like they just want to kind of compare between the options. Yes. And for the a la carte menu, that's really simple for like the basics of a suite, the invitation cards, the details cards, their reply cards, and then the envelopes. I do kind of uh, like a little luxe package that I show everyone is going to be handmade paper and foil. So I can, I always uh, combine the pricing of those, uh, the printing method and the paper together. I don't break Mm -hmm. everything out, which we can talk about in another episode. The second one is going to be digital printing and cardstock. So it shows like the full range, or if I know that their heart is set on something like they, they definitely want handmade paper, no matter what I'll change the bottom, the budget-friendly package to be handmade paper and digital printing instead of cardstock. So that way they can really, they can kind of mix and match if they want to, which is one of the boxes I have at the bottom. It says, I like what I'm seeing. I'd like to mix and match between the two packages. And then they usually write me a note and then I prepare a second proposal. And it just has like a finalized um, combination of what I recommend. Yeah, I love that. That's a really good idea. Thanks. Yeah, it saves a lot of time, especially when you have someone who's a little waffly or has to like, isn't really sure about something. So we have like a top and a top of the line and then the the floor of it, what you can do. I feel like Waffly is such a like, I don't know, like a Minneapolis, <laughs> Minnesota type term. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw this video. This is silly. There's a viral video with this donkey who was running around. I'm laughing as I remember it. He was running around the yard and it's really cute, but he's making obnoxious donkey noises and all, and he's like chasing a goat. And all of a sudden his owner says like, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> name. I just, I die when I think about it. And it's my word of the week. Waffles. I love that. You're like, when they're a little waffly, I'm like, never heard the term, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Up and down. Yeah. So I really enjoy having a top of like a Lux package and budget friendly. And I call it budget friendly because it's like a nice way of saying, hey, I don't want to spend a lot, but I still want something mm-hmm. pretty. Mm-hmm. So then after they approve their proposal, it triggers the client agreement slash contract, whatever mm-hmm. you call it. I sometimes say client agreement because it sounds a little bit nicer. Gentler. But it's a contract. <laughs> it's just like the sugar-coated version of like, this is like a legal abiding contract. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then they can go ahead and read the contract. You know, who knows who actually reads it. I, you know, to encourage your couple and to read the contract, you can have like multiple areas where they have to put their initials and then they could sign yes. at the bottom i love so there's that. a lot of yeah there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of build it in dubsado to encourage them to actually read it and then once they sign your contract it moves over to the invoice page and you can accept your payment through you know paypal check credit card debit card stripe cash envelope mail too these are not all um, recommended. These are just the possibilities. The options. Yes. yes. I personally accept 
I think it's just like any form of like online payment. Basically Mm -hmm. I do have it in my contract that if they want to pay by check or pay by cash, then they have to let me know in advance. Mm -hmm. And I've never had anybody pay with cash, but I have had someone pay with a check and it was because the grandmother was gifting the invitations Mm -hmm. to her granddaughter. And so the check came from the trust. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That's really sweet. That makes sense. And, but that, and I make it very clear too that if they pay by check that they haven't officially secured their spot until like the check clears, clears. in my bank account. Yeah. Um, and I've only had one person pay by check and I feel like that's kind of the circumstance where it would be that type of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do anything as far as like accepting the different payment options on Debsato. Mm-hmm. And then you can break it down and into either full payments or split payments. And Shasta, I want to know from you how you structure your like payment breakdown, because I know that there's a lot of opinions about this. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go on to that, I just want to say I'm actually super strict about what kind of payments I accept. And it kind of ties in with my contract. Um, I only accept credit debit and it's processed through Stripe. So it's just like a payment processing, kind of like PayPal. I don't even accept PayPal anymore. Um, that was for reporting reasons. It just got complicated for me. Mm-hmm. I had to like, I don't think I've had somewhere. anybody pay through PayPal. I think it all goes through Stripe as well. Yeah. Unless they send me a check from their trust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had, and I don't accept American Express. And I, and I wonder if that's an outdated, I don't think it's outdated actually. So the reason I have that is there's actually a, <laughs> There is a clause in my contract now that has to do with a particular client and it is a originality, artistic integrity clause. And it has to do with a client who basically asked me to copy another stationer. And I feel like we Mm -hmm. might've even talked about this before. And I didn't realize that's what she actually wanted until we were well into the design process. And it was incredibly stressful. And I got like, 5 a.m. emails from her and I had to uh kind of look back through records and I she had paid her deposit and then she paid her or I should say retainer and then paid her supplies fee so I had to refund her supplies fee but it was a non-refundable retainer and so uh thankfully when I looked in the records, the only thing that had been paid with American Express was her supplies fee or her like second payment. And so she was the kind of person who was kind of threatening to like charge back. And so I know you can do that with some credit cards. But anyways, I don't she was she had used American Express for the second one, but not for the first one. Uh, that was an incredibly that's like suited in my brain, like an incredibly stressful mm-hmm. uh, situation. So for that reason and many other reasons, I only use like stripe and i even have a clause that says like if you pay with american express i'd like i will return it and like you have to find a different payment method i know that there are other credit cards that you can probably do chargebacks too but i'm not sure yeah well and to kind of give a little bit more context to that so for anybody who's listening that's kind of wondering about the american express policy um american express is wonderful as like an actual consumer mm-hmm. you can use your american express card and they like guarantee basically any purchase for you Yeah, if you're a consumer it's a great card yes and like I have a friend who bought a leather bag and it got damaged 
And she like tried to clean it. She like tried all of these different things and she couldn't get it fixed. And so she requested a new bag through American Express. She obviously had to like fill out all of these different forms. She was like very honest and transparent about what had happened. Mm -hmm. And it fell under or fell under the buyer protection guarantee. And they gave her a new bag. That's amazing. So American Express, well, I know I was like, wow, (laughs) but American Express will always take the side of the buyer, their customer, their customer. And so if you have a client that you have like conflict with and they used an American Express card and they request a refund through American Express, like 90% of the time, American Express will grant it and then take Mm -hmm. the money from you. And then you have to pay back American Express. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of gives a little bit of context into why you avoid American Express, which is, you know, I know this because I am a big American Express user. Like I love my Amex card, Mm -hmm. but for some reason I haven't ever like refused them as a business. (laughs) Knowing what you know. (laughs) And I'm like now wondering, I'm like, knowing what I know, I've never had an issue with it, but obviously Mm -hmm. that's not like why you don't do something. Like I should probably like avoid that puddle before (laughs) someone jumps into it. Um, But I mean, I'm like going through this massive business, like revamp, rehaul, refresh and that is probably something cobwebs I am and I'm like I'm dusting off my shelves and everything (laughs) and that is probably something that I will change in my business going forward because of American Express's policy Mm -hmm. Um, that was a really scary experience for me I yeah I was I think the first time I'd had a client request such like a big amount of money back and I think for me it was tied up emotionally because it was someone who was asking me to do something that wasn't ethical and she she actually ended up getting upset with me that I had sent her the refund, even though she had requested it. It was a big mess. And I'm just so thankful Mm -hmm. and thank my lucky stars that like, I didn't have to worry about the retainer being charged back because of that card issue. But that actually brings me to... Wait, side note, I think that PayPal is pretty favorable to the buyer, but I also know people who have had an issue with people requesting a refund through PayPal and it hasn't gotten granted. Mm. So I think that PayPal is a little bit more honestly fair. Yeah. But I don't know for sure, but I do know that PayPal, like people can request, like they have like a buyer protection as well, but they don't just like grant it in the same way that American Express does. Sorry. I just wanted to like throw that small little side note in there, but keep on going. Oh, no, no, that's great. I'm excited to get when we get into the payment, uh, if we do a deep dive on that, and maybe we can get someone an outside person's perspective too on what their their situation has been. But that reminds me, um, I did mention in that little anecdote how I had the payment split into two. And so we were going to jump into talking about how we do these like the invoice and different payment plans and things like that. And so I I wonder if we're the same. So for custom suites, it's different than semi-custom suites for me. A custom suite is logistically more difficult. You have to deal with not really knowing what the client wants or deciding on it until after designing. So for me, I have a retainer, not a deposit. That's different. They're different things. Deposit implies it's more eligible for a refund as far as I understand legally. Uh, And if no work has been done, they're not really like a deposit is not really 
it, it's like where you take your time and and uh, funds from. If they do a deposit, if you do a retainer, they're paying to retain your time. And this is what like photographers do. I had an issue this with this with a client recently on the photography side of my business, but they're paying to retain your time. And so as soon as they sign the contract and say, I want this spot, like that's it. And so I always have my custom clients pay a retainer. Uh, sometimes it's a thousand, sometimes it's two, I think, depending on what we're doing. I think I'm in the process of moving it to two. And then for uh, the second payment, the final payment, it's paid after design is done and we know what supplies we need. And so then that payment goes towards uh, purchasing the supplies and then the rest of the profit for me. And then for semi-custom, all up front. We know exactly what we want as you, as they, maybe not colors, but as far as things cost, it's just one at a time, uh, or excuse me, all at once. And, and I really prefer it that way. What do you do? So mine is really similar to you, but I don't have a set retainer fee. It kind of depends on like what we have quoted for their overall process, because with a custom design, there are suites that are going to be more complex mm -hmm. and more detail oriented and like more design heavy. And then you have some that they're still custom, but they don't have quite as many like specific embellishment details that you're really like trying to figure out and work. Mm -hmm. Um, so my retainer amount kind of changes, but I typically keep it about one third of like the overall total invoice. Sure. And I feel like my their one third amount, which is like 33% tends to be in like the 2000 to 25 to 3000 kind of range, depending on how big the project is. But to me, that kind of makes sense that if you have like a custom project where you're spending like your couples investing like $8,000 or $10,000, mm -hmm. then, you know, one third of that is going to be around that like $3,000 mark. Yeah. So I think it's pretty accurate or pretty similar to like what you're doing. Um, for me, for a semi-custom collection, it is, like you said, a deposit versus a retainer. And I used to have it as a 50% deposit structure, but I remember during, yeah. Do you remember this during COVID where everybody yeah. was freaking out about this? Yep. And, oh, I was such a hot mess. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like anyone listening to this can like feel it in their bones. Yeah. Of, like, what was it? February, March, when the world like crashed in the US. And then all of a sudden by May, we're all like, Ugh. yes. Ugh. Yeah. And so I remember reading this post from, I don't want to say like any name because I don't want to be incorrect in my information. Recollection. Yeah. But basically, they were talking about the different, like deposit or retainer payment percentages. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how if you have a 50% deposit or a 50% retainer, that that is not a number that will hold up in court, because it's not like a viable percentage. And that your deposit or retainer should be about one third or 33% of the total invoice, because mm -hmm. that is something that will hold up in court and that nobody can argue. Mm -hmm. It's so, reasonable. It makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's all about like, whether it's like a reasonable amount. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the way that I propose it to a custom client is similar to you, where I make it very clear to them that they are like retaining my time. But with a semi-custom collection, the phrase and the verbiage is more that of a deposit. But for me, for 
both, the amount is about 33%. Like I break it down into three payments, but I feel like I should probably double check that. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I just try to reduce the amount of times, like time that people have to remember to make payments. And uh, because at the max I have two for custom clients, I want to make sure that it's enough that you feel compensated. Yes. So if they back out right before we go to production, which is right when this final payment is due, that my design time will have Mm -hmm. been covered. And the worst thing in the world is to have done work for someone and have to chase them for more money after they backed out because they there's a large chance you're not going to see that money. So I, I break down kind of my retainer based on if they backed out or if they ghosted me and didn't make their second payment, will I, would I still feel like this was an appropriate amount of money to be compensated for the work I did? For me, like I said, I break it down into a three payment structure. And when I send over the invoice to my clients, I make it very clear that the first payment of the three is non-refundable. It is their retainer or their deposit is to secure like ink and press as their provider for their paper goods. And then the second payment, I let them know that they can pay at any point of time. If they want to pay halfway through the process, if they want to wait to pay until the very end, if they want to Mm -hmm. pay right now, that is up to them. But again, I have it broken down into a three payment structure just for like a legality backup. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, and, and most couples honestly forget to pay the second payment. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Like, I don't care if you wait to pay until the very end, because again, that first third covers me Mm -hmm. and that is non-refundable, non-transferable, you know, it is mine. It's secure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then the second payment, I found that, you know, sometimes couples do like to pay this, especially if they've booked me like a year and a half to two years out. If we're doing Mm -hmm. like a save the date and a destination wedding, typically like we'll do their save the date, send those out. And then when we begin the first design draft for their invitations, or I send them their content form, I'll let them know that like, hey, if you want to do the second payment, now's a Mm -hmm. good time. And I think that couples kind of appreciate that opportunity to uh, spread it out. Yeah, But I let my couples know that the third and final outstanding invoice, if you haven't paid the second, is due at the time of final approval before your invitations are moved into production. Mm -hmm. I will not move your suite into production unless you've made your payment. Mm -hmm. And I do recommend to my couples to wait and pay that third invoice until the very end so that we can account for any quantity changes. changes. Yes, because I hate Mm -hmm. nothing more than processing your refund for like $72. I'm like, I'll just Venmo that to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's so (laughs) annoying. (laughs) What I do oftentimes is, and I'm sure you do too, is if there is any discrepancy at the end, sometimes people come come back like semi-custom clients who pay up front and full. If there's any discrepancy, we just roll that into a credit for their future day of goods. Like their, yeah, their, yeah. their menus and things like that. That way they don't have there to. There are times where you don't want to work with someone for their day of payment. Mm-hmm, true. <laughs> and you're like, the type of person who's requesting $72 back is the type of person you don't want to do menu cards for. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, big eye roll. <laughs> so, so that is kind of the breakdown structure. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm curious for you, do you order things before 
people pay or do you wait to order things? Mm -hmm. And then I want to also know, like, do you do sales tax and then also payment plans if someone requests? Yeah. So I almost never order anything until I've gotten the final payment. I have it broken out the way the way that my scheduling works, my my little timeline guide, it had accounts for two to four weeks for uh, supplies to arrive before production even starts. And that allows me to, I just really love that buffer time. And I'll obviously order things like things arrive before that, but it gives me a lot of time in case anything happens. So the only time I would do that is for day of goods because it's such a tight mm-hmm. timeline. And, you know, if they have a good track record of paying, then sometimes I'll order like a, I'll order something that I know is going to take a while to arrive and doesn't require any design approval. And, you know, they've already, whatever they've paid, it kind of covers that. Normally I would save that for like my design time, but that's the only time I would do that. As far as like processing fees go, um, I just eat it. I just eat the cost mm-hmm. of it. It kind of comes like breaks out of my design time and my design fee. And I feel really confident in what I charge for that. So I'm not like, I'm not eating that much. And then I'm not really an authority on sales tax. I know that it kind of, the laws are kind of still in process and changing. Some it depends on like where you live and where you're selling it to. What about you? What do you do for those things? So I remember with sales tax, I had a really big question about this when I was doing Christmas cards one year. Yeah. And um, I remember talking to my tax accountant about it. And he said, you don't have to worry about sales tax with the way that your business is structured because it is a service. Yes. You're offering design services. If you started offering like a set product that you are not designing, then you should look more into doing sales tax. Like if you open up a wax, a wax seal shop or something Mm -hmm. like that, where you're selling a physical good, but Mm -hmm. he's like, with the way that you have framed your business, it's a service. You don't have to worry about sales tax. Yeah, that's Um, great. I'm the same as you as processing fees. It's just something that I account for like in my business financing as a whole. And Mm -hmm. then as far as products, if I know that it is something that is higher in demand and kind of just something that I will, if I don't use it for that client, I'll use it for another client, like handmade paper. I kind of keep handmade paper in stock. Yeah. Yeah, I keep like gold wax, Mm -hmm. like sealing wax in stock. Whenever I make an order, I always order a little bit extra. And like, if I have leftovers from a project, it's just like kind of builds up in your supply. It's really good to have. And if I'm like placing an order for one client and I know that the other client is like going to be paying their invoice next week, I'll just order both of their envelopes together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are things like that that I'll do, but if there's like a very specific item and I don't have a worry about timelines or availability, then I'll wait. Like if they're still kind of deciding between like different velvet ribbon colors, Mm -hmm. um, vintage stamps, I will not place an order for your vintage stamps until you've paid. So there are some things where I'm like, I will not do that. But Mm -hmm. then there are other things where I'm like, you know what? I'd probably use that for another client. I'm just going to like order this. I'm just going to make sure (laughs) I have it. Like their entire design circles around this Navy handmade paper card. And if it goes out of stock, I'm going to like dusty blue envelopes. (laughs) I feel like those are always flying off the shelf. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just, it kind of is dependent on the the item. You know, I actually, so 
now that I think about it, I actually will buy a vintage stamp if I if it's at a good price and I am worried that it's going to disappear because I order mine off of uh, eBay. And so sometimes those get snapped up so every once yeah. in a while, like especially the William Shakespeare stamps, because I kind of cleared eBay out of those. Sorry, guys, that was me. <laughs> <I did> that. <laughs> like time and time again. Uh, yeah, I'll snap those up. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so moving on. Go ahead. Oh, I was just really excited about scheduling because I yes, really I feel like you're way better at this. So <laughs> I, that's where I was going to say. So moving on, um, once your client books, you have a client excitement. Yay. Congratulations. Signed, paid. You are ready to go. Scheduling. That is kind of what comes next. I, Shasta, I like wing it on this. So I have... Nothing to add other than probably just a blurb about my personality. So you have this figured out. Please like bestow your wisdom on me. If anyone who knows me, they know I am not an organized person. So I have to be organized about this. Scheduling is something I feel really proud of because it is the part of my business that I've had the most growth in and I just feel like I'm in a much better place. It's funny that you say you don't have a lot to say about it because I actually um, borrowed one of your concepts for how I how I do it. I remember when we were, I think we were doing Cultivate 2 because I think we were at your, yeah, we were at my house, your place. And I asked, I asked you a question about it because I was having a difficult time with um, a particular client. Actually, it was, a, I can't wait till we get to the episode where we talk about clients who've driven us bananas. Um, oh my. I know it's been sprinkled. But I'm going to like have PTSD from that episode. <laughs> we're going to get our hot chocolates and wrap ourselves in warm, fuzzy blankets and just, it's going to be great. So this particular client's mother-in-law had asked for like a bananas turnaround time. And I was sitting on your floor uh, finishing something for this particular project. And it was just... I knew that what they were asking for was not so, but I was just feeling a little bit stressed about how, how to glance my workload at, uh, like how to quick check on things and see how everything is. And in my yeah. old studio, when I had my a studio outside the house, which was really great, except the, you remember the four flights of stairs you had to climb industrial stairs without an elevator. Oof. I'm like we sweating thinking about that. <laughs> Cardio every day. I had this giant acrylic uh, calendar that I would, my friend Lindsay made for me. And then we manually would write things in. I'm just honestly not a, I'm a digital person. I really like having access to my calendars everywhere. So everything for me is in Google Drive, iCal, or this really great notes app. I think it's just called Sticky Notes. I literally have it right in front of me. What is it called? Um, it's called Memo. And I asked you what you did and you told me that you kind of like, if I'm remembering this correctly, you like had the months listed out and then you would like write kind of the big things that were happening. And so I do that. That is my main overview as far as when I need to know what's going on every month. I look at that sticky note and it has all the months laid out and all the big projects. I more minutely, when I am looking to book a client, I actually have a calculator. It's a Google sheet stock and I can type in someone's date and then it has listed every step along the way when it would be due. I can go to alternative charts on there where I can change which day I want to mail it out. Say it's not like a typical timeline. RSVP has to happen sooner, or I need to mail it out sooner than I normally would, or if it's a rush order, and then I have a day of good section, I can really play around with it. And I'm so in love with it. 
that spits out every single date I need. And within my workflow in Dubsado, I have all these tasks listed out and then I can schedule and put a date according to my calculator when I would need to do those things after they've booked and it's all in my workflow. And those dates sync with my iCal so I can check and see what I have to do every single day because everything I put in Dubsado based on what I've entered in from my calculator shows up in my iCal and I'm just completely obsessed with it. That is amazing. That is incredible. (laughs) I'm beaming. I'm so in love with it. We will have a like deep dive episode about scheduling and Shasta has so graciously agreed that this incredible timeline calculator is something that we will be able to offer to all of you. So kind of a little bit of a foreshadow is some of the like side cultivate things that are going to become available for you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, now that you mentioned that, I do remember that. <laughs> but again, I think that this is just kind of my personality. Like I am very, I was a business major. Like I am like organized type A in that regard. And for me, how I break things down. So I have currently a two week production turnaround time frame. I know that's, that that's wild. That's crazy. I have made it three weeks. <laughs> um, and that is like the minimum, but I'm thinking that moving forward, I'm going to change it to four weeks because that's just kind of the reality of the type of projects that I'm taking on now. Mm-hmm. Remember last year I didn't have my baby boy. I like had no social life. I was working around the clock 24 seven all the time. I had a product for me. I could really like turn suites around pretty fast. And there were a lot more invitations that were a little bit more straightforward. And now what I am right. doing is much more detailed and Production heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just the nature of my projects have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know like, okay, here's your, here's your wedding date. The industry standard to mail an invitation is six to eight weeks before the wedding date. I personally feel like that's pretty quick, especially Mm -hmm. when you have an RSVP card. So I always target for eight to 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. If it's a destination wedding, 10 to 12 weeks, sometimes a little bit earlier before that. So -hmm. I've already built myself in a little bit of a buffer. Um, If a client falls behind schedule, then I can always come back to the, well, the industry standard is six to eight weeks. So I'm still okay. And I've (laughs) like done that. Everything. Oh, buffers are huge. I did not know that. I didn't conceptually, like I do not run my, I run my life on the margins. And since marrying my husband, who is so much better at rest and preparing than I am, I have just fully embraced buffer time and how important yeah. that is things will go wrong and it's nice because if there's like a target mail day that you have that you're working towards and I don't in my proposal I don't give clients a specific day I just let them know the month mm-hmm. but if they start to panic then you can kind of like you know use that buffer to your advantage Mm-hmm. So yes, I love what you said. I give them like, I say late September or early yes. August. And I don't, I don't know about you. I never give, even though I have specific dates on my end, I do not list out a huge schedule for them. I think that's a little overwhelming. Some people do, and it works really well. But for me, what I like to do is once I kind of give them one piece at a time. Yes, I, I'm the same way because for me, um, the three-part process of my design process, we do a design draft, then we do a proofread, and then we do a final proof. 
they do not take up equal times. No. Like the design drafts could take like six weeks and then they could proofread it in a day. And then the next day we're on the final proof. Mm-hmm. So I never communicate like this is due by this day. I only start communicating actual dates to clients if we are truly falling behind. Sure. I see. I like so, to give them approval dates. So like when I send the initial draft, I will give them a day I need it by, but I I just them mm-hmm. based on like how much time we have left sometimes yeah. or like, so it's very flexible so that kind of like you were saying, you don't give, give dates until it's like imperative that we get yeah. things done. It's a little bit like that too, where I can kind of adjust behind the scenes. And if you give it to them all up front, you can't do that. Exactly. Well, and sometimes like life happens and you need more time. Yeah. It's just you know, like, the reality of the situation. Yeah. So for me, if they have their, I have their wedding day, I will calculate back 10 weeks. I will mark down in Debsado. There's like a specific little like side form that I can create. Mm-hmm. And on that page, I are in that little box. I can custom write down fields. Mm-hmm. our custom mapped fields, my target meal day. And I put that yeah. down like September 21st. Okay. Yeah. Then I have an Excel sheet where I have all of my projects and it just says like their date or like their name, um, our target mail date, their wedding date, and then what part of the process we're at. And yeah. then I have another column that says calligraphy and it lets me know how many envelopes I have to address. It's <laughs> because like that impacts things, you know, oh, that is like, the longest part of production hands down is yes. addressing. Mm-hmm. And for me, I wasn't really planning out my calligraphy addressing. So there were times where I'm like, cool, I have two projects that are due on the same day and they each have like 150 envelopes. I now have to do like 300 envelopes. So for me, I like Mm -hmm. really have to map out my calligraphy. Mm -hmm. So then once I have our 10 week mail date, I will put down like in another custom map field in Dubsado, I have like, hey, this is our mail date. And then I have where we're at in like the actual process. And I have this in two places. Like I have it in Dubsado, but then it's basically the exact same thing in Dubsado, but, but also just on it. Yeah, yeah, on like a Google Excel sheet. Yeah. And it just made it a little bit easier in the Google Excel sheet. So I could do like a quick overview, mostly yes. just because I got to the point with Dubsado where I had so many projects that I would have to like scroll, scroll. and it just, made me like yes. kind of get a little bit nervous. So with Excel or like on the Google Excel sheet, I or the Google spreadsheet, mm-hmm. I could just see it all in one actual That's what my memo sticky page. note on my my computer is and it links to my iPhone. So I can wherever I am, yeah. I can check that's like, amazing. What's going on this month? Who needs what? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I so just then, feel you on that addressing. <laughs> oh my god, right? Oh like so many late <laughs> nights. As far as I know I have like the separate custom app field that is my approve by date. And that mm-hmm. is three weeks before our mail date. So mm-hmm. I have my approved by date, which is like, I need your final approval by this date. And then I have my, this is our target mail date. So mm-hmm. 10 weeks out and then another three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, it is just kind of like, we're free flying. And I know that that sounds crazy. <laughs> no, no. But it's because you know yourself. I know myself and I know, like, I know what projects, I know where we're at. I know what we're working towards. I know that mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a buffer built in for like- You have an assistant myself. if you need to. Mm-hmm. I have an assistant. And then I know that like, 
Kate, our design drafts could take six weeks, but then within the matter of three days, we could have the proofread approved and the final proof. Sure. So for, and that's just kind of how my structure is. Um, again, I don't communicate like those dates to my clients at all Mm -hmm. until I feel like we're starting to fall behind. In which case at that point, if it's like, okay, we are not anywhere close to getting our proofread done. And we are two weeks out from my approved by date Mm -hmm. or three weeks out from my approved by date, I communicate a date to them and I let them know, Hey, I have a target mail date planned of September 21st. This is 10 weeks before your wedding. In order to meet this target mail date, we need to have final approval by this date, three Mm -hmm. weeks prior, because I will need three weeks for production. And I let them know that I'm like, Mm -hmm. I need your final approval by this date. We still need to proofread and we still need to do a final approval. Like, can you please get this back to me? Or like, I will need this back. I just communicate to them like, hey, these are the target dates that we are working towards. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that often just puts a little fire under their butt. And then they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Here, yeah, I'll, get I on, want get to be the, I'll do the pink envelope <laughs> and the flower stamp. And then I like send over the proofread and they're like, yep, all looks good to go. And then I'm like, hey, well, here's your final approval. And then they like final approval, pay their invoice, send me their addresses. And like, we're good to go within three days. <laughs> That's just kind of like an overview of how I schedule things. For sure. Um, I like to I, have it more like spaced out so that I feel more sure that like, I also add a buffer week too. So if they miss it, it's fine. But for me, yeah. like I, like I want to, I tend to like use that buffer time a lot. And so like, I need that four weeks at least for production. So when I have it, I just enjoy having like it all spaced out, yeah. and, but I just don't tell them in case things happen weird on my end so that they're not like, what is just a difference this? in so, yeah. Personality is not one is right. No, it's yeah. Not one is yeah. wrong. Um, something that I do that I feel like really helps me stay on top of things is I use my eye calendar religiously. Oh, like yeah. it is like my, like, to-do list stationary bible yeah yeah it's and i I will even make iCal reminders to like email someone back yeah oh same yeah so it's like if i send a proofread on a wednesday i will put in my i calendar for next wednesday Mm -hmm. that like check on so and so Mm -hmm. just because I want to like send it and not think about it. And then if they email me back and like send their proofread revisions, I'm like, great. And then when I get to that Wednesday on my iCal and I see that's already done, I just like can delete it and remove it. But that is something that like has really helped me stay on top of my tasks is I, in my iCalendar, just create like 15 minute tasks for myself. Yes. Um, so my whole eye calendar is like color coordinated with different things. I'll make notes like mm-hmm. production today. I need to do the design draft for a da, 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 da production mm-hmm. for like wax seals. I use my eye calendar, literally like pen and <sighs> paper, 15 minute tasks here and there. If something doesn't get completed, I move it to the next day. Like it mm-hmm. is my Bible. It really is. Especially when you're juggling you know, I, I can't even, I, I should probably count. I don't know. I remember it was at 2019 that summer juggling like six weeks in one month. I don't remember what, I remember yours recent, was it two years ago? You had like a crazy bananas amount. You were like crushing it one summer. It's like when you're juggling that amount. <gasps> it was coming out of COVID. Projects, <laughs> yes. <laughs> projects, it's bananas. I mailed like um, 30 
two projects in one month. Oh, okay. Maybe that's an exaggeration. <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a, a record um, of it. I do because I, I pinned it on my, one of my boards because I felt so accomplished. It probably wasn't 32. It was probably more like 18, yes. which is a lot. That's insane. And keep in mind, some of them were save the dates. But when I say I worked nonstop. Yeah. It was insane. Like Drive yourself to the ground. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was during the month of April. I like cried the entire month. If I have three projects going on in one month, I would cry. (laughs) Oh oh my gosh. But that year I sent like 80 projects. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that year I sent like 80 projects. Like, but it also you have to keep in mind it was COVID, so it was like postponed mm-hmm. on top of new clients, and I didn't know how to say no, so yeah. I was like accepting everybody right and left. I can't wait for when we talk about boundaries and healthy because <laughs> this is I I feel this in my bones. I have been there too. When we when people say they, it's like when people say, um, you can make six figures of revenue in a year. You're like, oh, that's not profit. It's the same thing when you hear people say, I put out a bunch of projects. You're like, honey, are you okay? Like, yeah. how how is your soul? <laughs> it's not. You, I can't even. <laughs> you can't. I can't even go down the revenue versus product oh. tangent. It ruffles my feathers. Oh, my it's sweet nothing. summer child. Do not listen to those who me say... more when people are like, I make a six figure revenue. I'm like, okay, but you realize there's a difference between revenue and profit. Gee. And you could have a six figure revenue, but you could also have like, you could be Four making your profit. Hundred... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you well, not even that. I'm like, you could have literally a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, but then you could have $99,000 in expenses, expenses and your profit could be a thousand dollars revenue means nothing nothing you want and that I, ratio a, you want it's a, a sweet sales ratio marketing tactic and yeah. it drives me crazy but people are you like see it everywhere a, yes that is something people if people are only talking about their revenue it is like mega red flags and they're like typically with like an educational course guys when we talk about if we were to ever <laughs> use our like like finance sheets as like a marketing thing for cultivate Ugh. You would hear us say profit and I would be like, here is my literal balance sheet. Yes. Look, look I'm at how much money is spent as this person spends $10,000 on their suite. That's a great project. But do you know how much of that is in, is in expenses? And friends, like we will have an entire episode to come about financing, design fees, pricing like profit versus revenue, as, pricing, yeah. like all of that is to come because I... I'm so passionate about that. And I feel like if it was more transparently talked about, like a car lot, everybody knows how much cars cost because every car lot is talking about their pricing. And Mm -hmm. like, it's not something that should be gatekept in the way that I think it's gatekept. Now, obviously, like we have to take into account protection for like our client privacy and Mm -hmm. like, and they're like monopoly laws on pricing and like, talking about specific things and like you don't want to have collusion with pricing and like that sort of issue but the stuff we can talk about it's really important to talk about exactly so everything that we like can share we will share Mm -hmm. um 
but there's obviously so many things that like we need to lay the foundation for before we jump into pricing. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, just know that we are very passionate about the difference between revenue and profit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to the next bit because I don't remember what I was going to say. So we'll just leave it on the table. Uh, Content collection. So you're moving into the design phase. Before you can move into design, you have to get all the info from your client that's going to go into the design. You need to know dates, times, names, wording, anything like that. I just remembered what I was going to say about scheduling. I am obsessed with the automatic email, the conditional in Dubsado, the conditional logic where if a form hasn't been completed, you can send a follow-up email. So if someone hasn't sent a draft update, I can literally click approve before I've even sent the draft. And if they don't fill it out by a certain date, which I've specified to them, I need it by a certain date, it'll send Mm -hmm. them a reminder email. And I have had a couple issues with that because sometimes someone will send me an email about their draft instead of writing it in the draft Mm -hmm. and they don't know so that's a little tricky but anyways that happens to me too and I just say like oh sorry there was a glitch in my project management system sorry about that like um but that is a really cool thing and we'll have an entire episode about Debsato because the way that you can structure your workflow to send those automatic emails is really really cool so on that note and kind of going into the next topic about content collection I have it set up in my Debsado workflow that when the payment is received, it automatically sends an email that lets them know it's like a general welcome email. It lets them know, hey, I've received, yes, basically that, like an onboarding email. Hey, I've received your information. I'm so excited to be working with you. We are all set to go. Um, here is a general overview of like what you can expect. It gives them an overview of my process, lets them know the different phases. We have the design draft phase, we have the proofread phase, we have the final proof phase. It mm-hmm. lets them know my office hours. Uh, lets them know that like while I love to connect with them over social media, that you know any official communications regarding their invitations, regarding has edits, to be an email has to be in an email or through the forum. They can't call me because, you know, sometimes people do have your phone number from an initial call. So mm-hmm. they can't text me. They can't call me. They need to like send it. I love some know, you know, my work hours when I'm in the studio, it just gives a good general onboarding example. I think your onboarding email is really great and it makes me want to revamp some of mine i really like that bit about reminding them to keep everything in email form and like laying out the phases i think just kind of like I housekeeping do... rules yeah and it's a reminder from the contract and i think whatever you can do to educate the client and set the stage for the client is just so helpful just yeah. set them up for success And it's basically that, like, it's kind of all of the important parts of the contract that they should have read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just reiterated. Yeah, yeah, you find. And then it kind of reminds them, like, you know, it's still very dependent on your project and your invitation suite details, but the, like, minimum uh, turnaround time for production previously was two weeks. I'm changing that, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, Mm -hmm. but it kind of like re-emphasizes some of that important information from the contract. And it's really nice because there are so many times where like I have a client right now who really fell behind schedule, even though I communicated all of our deadlines. Mm -hmm. And at one point she 
was starting to like kind of press me and I could just send a polite email response back and just say, you know, as communicated in the client agreement that was signed on this date, as well as in the welcome email, email. (laughs) this was communicated to you. If you would like to, you know, do a rush fee, it's going to be X percentage. Mm -hmm. And then she quickly responded back and was like, no, I know that you communicated this. I'm just, you know, being a client. <laughs> it's just, just nice to be able to have feels. that second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it is nice to have kind of that like second place at some of those important like keynotes yeah. are communicated. Mm-hmm. That's really important. It's a, uh, oh shoot, I was going to say something. What was I going to say? I'm losing it tonight. I'm full mom brain. That's fine. Yeah. I'll finish what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> keep going. So in that onboarding email, I have a link to the content form. And that content form is hosted through Dubsado and it has all of the information, all of the boxes where people can go in and input the details for their invitation suite. And I let them know that they don't have to let me know wording unless they have a very specific mm-hmm. verbiage phrase, you know, format that they want to use. But other than that, I just need the facts. So let me know when is your invitation or when is your wedding starting? What are your names? What are the names of your parents? Are we including parent names? Content form is just like very clear. And then I also have it set where they receive my address template. And I love that my address template gets sent to them from the very beginning because in the past, it was something that I would always forget to send. But if I'm doing calligraphy or I'm doing, honestly, if I'm doing, if I'm doing your addresses, I need it in a specific Mm -hmm. Excel Excel format where Mm -hmm. all of the individual information is in individual boxes. Mm -hmm. And I hate telling my clients like, Hey, thanks for sending your addresses as a PDF. I love knowing that the address file was sent to them at the very beginning. So they have it on hand and they can collect their addresses in the right format from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I love that you combine the content form and the address formatting guide in your onboarding email. I need to do that. I send them all as three separate emails. And in fact, I have a fourth separate email with a payment confirmation. Like I just need to combine these all or combine and I know all that of it's them. It's like a really massive email and like it takes a bit to digest, but I just feel like it's all in one spot. And then yeah, it's just like, like hits them with one email instead of like so many emails and they kind of like ignore them. I don't know. Or like That's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I like that. I enjoy that. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. As we're talking about the way we do things, I just want to remind anyone who's listening, this is just how we do it. You don't have to do it this way. I know that sometimes when you're first starting a business or you hear advice, some of it can hit like really well and you're like, oh, that's a great idea. You you should do it. Some of it can be like, oh, it makes you feel self-conscious about the way you do it. This is just what has worked for us. And if there's something good in here, take it, use it, love it. And if, if it's just not, really making sense for your business. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I think a good example of that is our scheduling, you know, conversation where Mm -hmm. you like to have it have more set and rigid. Mm -hmm. And for me, that just doesn't work because I feel like I'm already rigid in my mind that you want to be able to stresses me out. I need the fluidity a little bit more. Like I'm already very on top of it, Mm -hmm. but I don't need reminders externally where I like have to have that or yeah. I would drown because my brain is can't handle it all and that's just like a difference in our personalities you know like yeah 
I think I'm such an over, not even, I think I know that I'm such an overthinker <laughs> that I'm like, this exists in my mind and takes up space and like occupies. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a nice little corner for all your organization. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, don't worry. I know. <laughs> but yeah, just like take what feels good for you and like mm-hmm. leave what doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially I just remember when I was first starting just, you know, just grasping everything and being worried that I wasn't prepared enough. This stuff has been developed by us over time this we didn't come out of the the stationary womb with this figured out trial and error after more than six Our years on my years, end yeah. and what seven eight nine on yours oh yeah yeah nine it'll be nine yeah it is nine june mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. crazy i'm gonna have to have a party next year for 10 i know <laughs> oh my gosh oh, can't wait to celebrate crazy. you <laughs> i'm inviting oh, myself to your party <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Okay, so, so after, then we move into drafts, which is yes. Yeah, so I was like, let's keep going. Let's give a huge shout out to the stationers mock-up by Aileen, who just absolutely dominates this category. She game changed how we do drafts. All of her digital mock-up files are we've talked about her before. We'll talk about her more. Thank you for helping us beautify our businesses, Aileen. 100 percent So this is a kind of a fun thing because this was something during COVID, I mentioned that I really used COVID and like quarantine to just like transform my business. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I know I keep talking about that, but it's obviously like so on my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But during COVID, I remember wanting to transform my design drafts. And previously, I was like showing people like screenshots from my Illustrator file. (laughs) And then just like including like screenshots of like product photos and being like, trust me, it's gonna look good. I promise. <laughs> and then I like advanced to like photo, not even photoshopping, but scanning in handmade paper, mm-hmm. like scanning it, physically scanning a physical sheet of handmade mm-hmm. paper, and then like putting the screenshot on top of the handmade paper. <laughs> <laughs> I am so confused how anybody booked me. But I bet your file sizes weren't as big as they are now. So that's one Honestly. benefit. Honestly. So then it was during COVID that I like knew I needed to change this part of my business. And I wanted to create as realistic of a mock-up as possible. Yeah. And Aileen like sent me her first. Did she send it to you during COVID yeah. too? I was going to say, I don't I remember like... if it was during COVID, but we were looking on creative market. I feel like she and I were talking about, she'd show me yes. this particular. We were all talking about yeah. it. There was like a mock-up packet from creative market. Yes. And it was okay and it was not intuitive user-friendly no it was Mm. honestly not even okay now that we know what the station's mock-up can do have like didn't even have handmade paper yeah yeah like it was like a good like idea in Mm -hmm. theory but the execution wasn't what it needed to be it wasn't made for what we would want to use it for it was made for like mock-ups if you were selling like a poster print yeah exactly yeah. mm-hmm. and like if you were selling like a product like a pillow not custom things with really interesting and unique textures yeah. i remember i had like scanned in like you did like a couple custom things but i didn't have a catalog like we now have no. to from. yeah mm-hmm. and so alien sent us like the very 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 first it wasn't even like station or mock-up 1.0 like it was like the pre-thing mm-hmm. and it was game changer beautiful and 
it transformed the way that I was able to do my design drafts and Mm -hmm. it gave clients the confidence to be able to know that what they saw on the screen is what they were going to see in real life. Mm-hmm. Now, since then, I know that the stationer's mock-up has, she had her first original like 1.0 that mm-hmm. was like elevated from what Aileen sent us. So, like we mm-hmm. got the very first like Beta prototype version. of stationer. Yeah. yeah. And now she has the stationer's mock-up 2.0, which mm. kind of a fun side note, it includes styling elements from both of Shasta and I's like styling yes. toolkits and Aileen had us too yes yes and Michaela mm-hmm. so like the three of us sent like different styling elements that we love mm-hmm. um so it's kind cameos. of fun I feel like we have like a little cameo in there I'm like that's my ring box I'm like that's my antique that's vintage my book <laughs> it's funny because whenever I like will style and I don't do too many of the styling props in my mock-ups just out of like personal preference I think that they can get a little bit distracting mm-hmm. but I do include a couple of things when I'm like showcasing like a save the date for example because yes. I feel like kind of help like oomphs it out a little bit it does because save the dates are just very like one note as far as like styling goes because it's like a card and envelope I always yes. include uh an antique box usually a gold box somewhere on there yes. and then and anytime I use like one of yours I'm like mm, Shasta or like I use one of Michaela's I'm like, <laughs> like this is Michaela's <laughs> antique bag this is her book yep <laughs> I, I don't know about you the stationer's mock-up transformed even how I did styling in real life yes like well that's what we created the styling guide guide for for day one yeah it helps me visualize things much differently absolutely take take that class it's yeah it relies on that it's beautiful yeah so you get your content form you create your draft like Shasta and I both mentioned Mm -hmm. we both use the stationer's mock-up for our design drafts Mm -hmm. all of that to come um in my design draft, there are different forms through Debsado where people can submit their edits. They can do their selections. I showcase mm-hmm. the different options. There is like a massive photo at the very end that like shows all of the details together. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like lay it out one by one and then I show how they all work together at the very end. Mm-hmm. And then there are multiple design draft rounds where we narrow it down. You know, I show six envelopes up front and then we narrow it down to maybe three and then one. Mm-hmm. And then after their design draft is complete and they've selected all of their design elements, I move my couples over to a proofread and the mm-hmm. proofread shows the designs of the cards in black and white. Mm-hmm. No details, no embellishments just the designs in black and white so that we can make sure we are, you know, checking all of the punctuation, all of the spelling, all of the grammar, everything is completely squared away Mm -hmm. and there are no distractions. Mm -hmm. And then after the proofread, I move my couples over to the final proof and it shows all of the invitation suite details together one last time, final selections. I have it set where they confirm that they have like read it and that there are no errors and that I am not held liable and they do it like literally one by one and Mm. then after the final proof is sent they can sign my 
USPS mailing agreement. That is something that I implemented from the Biz Birthday Bash. Mm, so, so shout good. out to Cami and Elizabeth. They are incredible. Yeah. And uh, after the USPS mailing agreement is signed, they can make their final invoice payment. And then their invitation suite is officially moved into production. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a big shout out to draft limits and how important draft limits are that's come up in our lives bunch when you, it can get kind of out of hand sometimes, especially when it comes to like scheduling, keeping people on track. It's just so important to like, make sure that you're not going on and on with design. That's just a little side note, but oh man, that just saved my life. Mine is pretty similar to yours. Um, I combine my proofing, like your first and your second uh drafts like your your elements laid out and then the proofing i do that all in one so i do like a overview and then i'll do the cards broken out and then underneath each broken out card i'll have a black and white so it's really mm-hmm. a similar process i love that you in your final proofing one though they have to approve each card yeah that's awesome that's really smart and they like even the details it'll be like i confirm this wax seal is correct i oh, confirm this stamp that's... is correct it's like so- intense Wow. They're literally clicking approve, 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 approve. Like I like that though. <laughs> no, I like that because as a non-detail-oriented person, I have a hard time staying focused on details. And if I was the client in that situation, I would need that. I would need to well, I've noticed be forced that, to do that. Yeah. For me, the detail that often goes unnoticed is like either the RSVP address or the return address that's printed Mm -hmm. on the back of the invitation envelope. Mm -hmm. And because I, if I don't get the information from them in their content form, I'll just do like a sample address. (gasps) Then they once. Yes. Yeah. And then they like never fix it. Like they Mm -hmm. never send that in as an edit. So there have been times where like the final proof pops around and I'm like, I, like there's a sample address here yeah and so they have to approve the rsvp address and that's when they're like oh shoot it's not one two three four address 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 city state zip it's actually a real one (laughs) you know i think the way i get around that is i don't design anything until i've all the content in um which pushes back the schedule (laughs) i'm like oh just give me the general info and because I just know that like some details are sometimes in the process of being solidified or like they're trying they're to moving. figure out. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're trying to figure out like when your rehearsal dinner is to me, yeah. I'm like, honestly, I just need your names and then I can get started on a design draft. So mm-hmm. I let them know that like, you don't have to wait to submit the content form until everything is set. Like you can just mm-hmm. use filler information for now. So that's why I have the proofread separate because sometimes I'm designing with filler info right. or like tentative details yeah, I really love that so then during the proofread and I I limit my number of design drafts but you have unlimited proofreads trust me I want to get this right as much as mm-hmm. you want to get this right mm-hmm. but your design drafts it's like I'm not going to keep showing you envelope colors and also the stationer mock-ups are so much uh, they're they're really easy and like user friendly, but they require more time to create than me just mm-hmm. exporting my Illustrator file as a right. PNG. Yeah, so, I mean, because it's a smaller file. I mean, yeah, and so the proofreads take me black and white. five minutes to create. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, I would rather do you know two design drafts where you make all of your color selections, and mm-hmm. then we do like 
15 proofreads <laughs> to make sure that everything is spelled correctly. <laughs> That's really smart. I was listening to Elizabeth from Bits Bash Birthday talk about, well, Eliza and calligraphy. Did she change her business name? I feel like she's really into pottery right now. And I think they're they might have a little one coming. Anyways, that's a tangent. She said that she prints everything out and she goes letter by letter and like makes sure that when she's in production that everything matches up. And I'm like, that's genius. I don't think I have the time for that and the brain space for that, but that is meticulous. Yeah, I know a lot of people who print out like production guides for themselves. Um, I don't because I'll just use like my iPad and like pull up the final proof that was approved and kind of like reference as I'm doing yeah. production. Mm -hmm. But I know people who like will print it out and have like a clipboard and stuff. And I think that that's great, but I just, I, don't, I like being able to just pull up the final proof and yeah, work do it. from that. I'm a digital it's, girl. Me too. When I do like moving you know, moving back down into production when I do like when I prep a file to make sure that it matches like the proof to proof file, I just like drag the file that I'm working on right over like the, yeah. the proof just to make sure that it's like li visually looks the same. So yeah, I agree. So then after is your kind of process the kind of oh, you just explained it, but kind of the yeah. same as well. Yeah, it's really similar. I love okay. that you have more approval requirements i think i'm gonna implement that that and combining my onboarding email that's really great but then mm -hmm. after that you move into production production we will deep dive into that i feel like we've kind of already <laughs> covered a lot about production in this episode i love shopping so production means buying supplies and i absolutely love it it's, really it's fun. so fun i love it when everything arrives and you just feel like you get to open packages it's like Christmas. i know i wonder what my neighborhood like uh usps man i know that i've got Got an in with the FedEx guy. We're friends. I leave treats for him. But I really, I wonder what the USPS people think I do. They probably think I'm like a drug mule or something. <laughs> All these packages arriving. My thing is always like when my handmade paper arrives from India. Yes. <laughs> and it smells, it smells like something. It smells like the earth yes. when you open it. And then like yeah. your ribbon arrives from Hong Kong. I'm like, people yeah. probably think something's going on here. <laughs> I really love production. I, um... I have like chunks that I schedule out. So like, this is the printing chunk. This is the assembly chunk. This is the addressing chunk. And I take a month to do a suite. And I might have a couple suites working concurrently. And that's why I have an assistant. Mm -hmm. um, but once they've hit that final approval and they've paid their final invoice, and I send the email reminder, that is it. Like every once in a while, someone will be like, wait, wait, wait. And if I haven't sent a file off, but if I've purchased your supply, there's no going yeah. back. Once your final proof is approved, I don't allow any changes. Yeah, it just is what it is. Unless it's like a big error. And then I'm like, oh, glad you caught it. But yeah, um, I don't think that's ever really happened to me. So yeah. Yeah. So then as far as shipping and mailing, so this is kind of production, kind of shipping and mailing. Yeah. So something that I do is when I receive your address file, I will create the merged address file like the print file for digital addressing doing, yeah yep so if we're doing digital addressing then i will send it to you to approve approve oh, approve <laughs> i'll send it to my couples and i will like say here's your merged address file please approve and let me know if mm -hmm. this is good to go and mm -hmm. i let them know i at that point i, I do kind of give them a deadline like hey i need you to approve this by wednesday right uh, and then that way I just feel like there have been so many times where people will like email back and be like, oh no, this address is wrong. And then mm -hmm. it just like saves me later down the road. Yeah. It is like one more step up front, but it 
pays off in the end. Right. You're being proactive. Yeah. And then that way, like if something gets returned to sender, you're like, well, you literally approved it. approved this. Yeah. You approved the PDF and I printed that Mm -hmm. PDF. Mm-hmm. So I do have, I have that up front with my addressing guide. It's also an approval guide. It says whatever you send me has been like you have to sign it. That says you've looked yeah. this over. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people do that. I just like to send it to them and just like I don't know an extra time. I think it yeah. helps. Yeah. yeah. And then I actually do the exact same thing with my calligraphy address mm-hmm. file. So I know some people like to work off of like an Excel sheet. Ugh. I personally still merge an entirely new PDF mm-hmm. and it puts all of the addresses or each address on its own individual it's page. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it is centered and I go through and I will like fix each one. So you know, if you have like a really long name that's not going to fit on one line of your envelope, I will yeah, like move it down, drop it down onto the next line. Basically, like I need a visual reference guide exact. for exactly how it's going to look, and that helps me with my spacing. I make and my clients I, do that. Oh, I make I them it. format it their own way. I like the way you do it because then you can you can use your judgment. I do that yes. too, but I just don't tell them that I've moved a name down. Oh, I, I do. I'm like, send me your Excel sheet and I'll do it. And I let yeah. them know, like, I can't fit more than I can. I think it depends, like, depends on the vintage stamps. Yeah. But I'm like, can't fit more than five lines or, you know, mm-hmm. but then that way I can edit it because I like, I don't know, like, I know if I'm going to need to abbreviate Boulevard. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Or if, like I can spell it out and it's going to look better spelled out. Yeah. So I just like to have the autonomy to be able to make the changes. Mm-hmm. And then I like having the visual reference. For um, sure. Yeah. That's another like personal preference thing. I will, I will have them do what I tell them, whatever you send me is like, like you need it to send me exactly what it you want. So if you want Boulevard written out, write it out. If you want Ohio written out, write it out. And um, I give them examples and basically, and then I say, then it's up to my judgment and I might change it on you. Nothing important, yeah. but like I might. See, and I feel like I'm not going to write out five, seven, eight, four, nine North white Magnolia Boulevard. Like I know that that's going to be too long. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And so like, I just personally like to go ahead and just abbreviate it and just know how it's going to format. And I think it's yeah. just how I do my addressing. Like I like to see, you and, know, more than the client would know. Yeah. Yeah. And then that. I do send that to them and I say like, here's a reference for what the calligraphy will look like as far as formatting. Mm-hmm. But obviously I reserve the judgment to be able to adjust as I see fit yeah. because you know, there might be um a situation where i have like the ampersand sign but it actually works out better to write right and and. or Mm -hmm. i need to swap you know the word and for the ampersand sign so i tell Mm -hmm. them that i i reserve the judgment to be able to make the adjustments but at least Mm -hmm. here's a reference point i just so that you know like there are times where i won't realize that you know the name is actually not yeah like actually there was one instance where i didn't realize that the name was actually the child's name. I thought it was like a two-part last, last name. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it was a longer like Van Gordon. And I thought that the last name was just like Van and like Gordon was the kid. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like kind of yeah, like yeah. one of those situations where uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So <laughs> I just, I like to just have them approve their address files yeah, before so I smart. send to print. I love that you're a thing. 
No. And it goes along with your philosophy for how you do so much of your business. I think that's really wise. I'm getting, I'm getting oh, ideas. I'm, I'm logging. <laughs> like, that's really sweet of you. <laughs> that's smart. Mostly just when I like mail something, I just like want to be done with it. I don't want to like, if you get a return to sender, it's your problem. It's yeah. not mine. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, I don't want to spend any energy or effort preparing a file, an address file. I don't want to have to touch it at all. I, I want it all to be on you up front. So yeah, it's kind of like how you look at it, potato, potato. But okay, so shipping and mailing, moment of truth, probably where most of our stress lies. Oh my like, goodness. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Like this, it's beautiful now that I figured some of this crap out, but also really <laughs> stressful remembering it. So I think the biggest thing that removes the stress is having a USPS mailing agreement that yeah. basically states that like you have been given permission to mail their invitation suites for them hand canceled, mm -hmm. but that the client understands that the post office is not perfect and you are not held liable. That's mm -hmm. like really what it boils down to. And mm -hmm. once I incorporated a like mailing agreement, all of my stress alleviated because it is... Yeah, it is off of my hands. Now, I know some people who will mail the like invitations assembled to their clients and the mm -hmm. clients will like mail the invitations in the post office. Mm -hmm. I personally don't like to do that because I just I don't know. I I have a really wonderful relationship with my post office and there are post office locations that will say they no longer hand cancel. That is not true. They are lying. liars. Liars. I mean, <laughs> I had to go to like four different post offices here in Phoenix. I like passed. You know five. how I know that's true is because I went to one in Phoenix and they told me they didn't do it. I know there's like a very specific location that yes. will do it. And I like, I seriously passed like five just to get to this post office. We are experts in what we do. I say that in quotes, like we've talked about how we're not experts. We're, we're but compared to our clients, we are experts and mm -hmm. I really want this to go well for them. And I have a relationship, yeah. you have a relationship with your clerks. We know how it works. It's just, I know what post office to go to when, we want to take care of this for you. And some people want to take care of it to save money. And that's true, but that's not the kind of clients that we service. Like we want, we yeah. want to take care of it for our clients. Yeah. And my post office will let me hand cancel the invitations myself, Same. which basically means that you like take their, I call it the bopper. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Everybody at my location was like, you need the bopper? And I'm like, I need the bopper. And it's just like a red circle stamp that yeah. you bop <laughs> on all of the postage that you've used. Mm -hmm. And to explain what hand canceling is, there are two different ways that an invitation or a piece of mail can be processed through the post office. It can either be machine canceled or hand canceled. Mm -hmm. Machine canceled means that the envelope is run through a machine and it puts those black marks on the stamps <laughs> so that the stamps cannot be reused. It's mm -hmm. all to make sure that you are not reusing stamps yep. and it's ripping a... off the post office. <laughs> yeah, it's a fraud control. Measure. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then hand cancel is where you take those little red, like it's like an ink pad. It's stamp, ink stamp. Yeah. It's a stamp. It's not like stamp a situation. USPS stamp, but like an actual like ink pad stamp. Mm -hmm. And you 
bop it and stamp <laughs> all of your actual stamps mm-hmm. so that they have a marking on them so that they cannot be reused. Right. Um, and some post office locations will claim that they don't do it. They're lying. You can always offer to do it yourself and see if they'll let you. Mm-hmm. Not if you've got a manager there, sometimes you. they won't. Yeah. yeah. Because I think technically they're not allowed to handle it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But my post office, I have really wonderful relationships with all of the clerks there. Mm -hmm. I walk in and they see me and they just like bring me to the side, hand me the bopper. bopper. Yeah. I don't even like wait in line. I'm like there every other week. I used to be there literally every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. They saw me pregnant. They saw me like after he was, uh, you know, a week old or two weeks old. They they see Wilder as a nine. Yeah, they've seen me with Levi. (laughs) Yeah, they. And then for me, mailing your invitations is not an extra added charge. It's baked into my assembly charge. We'd have to be boxing these things up and mailing them to you, anyways. So. It's, it's cheaper actually for me to mail, them, for to mail them and it saves time. It also gives us more flexibility in the schedule. I do mine in batches um, because I do my addressing and stamping last. So mm-hmm. I'll like, especially if we're running on a tight such schedule, I'll like send the first batch out or every time I, you know, every day at four, I'll go to the post office and just mail the ones that I did that night before. Yeah. And I do not like to send all of the invitations to my clients because like you said, you send them into a big box and I just hate the idea of like that box getting lost, that box getting damaged from weather, like that box getting put on your porch and a sprinkler getting onto the box. Like, and, and I do package them in a way that like tries to weather protect in the event of rain as much as possible. Like when you're playing all your eggs in one basket yeah yeah and I would just rather and also the time spent like Mm -hmm. I think that the clients who request it are honestly they have a sense of a lack of trust that they don't like they want to see the work before it goes out and so to me I almost view it as like I I haven't done a good enough job building trust yes which maybe that isn't the reason but for me I'm like there's no reason why I shouldn't just mail these out for mm-hmm. you and, and so I'm happy I try to send to you your keepsakes we, like if you want to see it in person I'll just mail you one in person oh I do mail a keepsake yeah, yeah. I I usually wait till we're done with the day of goods and I mail it all together in a box oh yeah yeah, yeah. but like yeah. if you want to see it like sooner, ahead of time yeah if yeah. it's really that important then yeah Oh, I also try to send like post a couple of like behind the scenes stories so that couples can kind of see like the quality. Yeah. I don't know. And like you try and do like sample packs ahead of time. So to me, I'm like, my couples should trust me to mail their invitations in a guaranteed way that's going to be easiest on them via the Mm -hmm. mail. And there's no guarantee that your post office is going to hand counsel them for you. But Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you my post office does because I do it with my own hand. So yes, I would just prefer to just take care of it and just provide a better like outcome for my couples. Mm -hmm. We set you up properly by giving you great expectations on what you can expect and what we can't control. And then we take care of it for you the best we can. Like, yeah. I even know that if we're running on a tight timeline, I can't go to my neighborhood post office. I have to go to the main hub in Minneapolis because it saves you a couple days because of the processing. So like we just, yeah, yeah, you know, and everything you can do to set yourself up as the expert. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, in a talking down to your client kind of way, the way that you communicate, you're an expert is just 
tell them how you know what you're doing. Like show them. It's education. Yeah. Show them through educating them. This is how it, this is how I do it. This is why I do it. Um, it's just, you know, politely, but letting them know that you're informed and you've done it, you know, this isn't your first rodeo. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. If it is your first rodeo, then you ask other people who've been to the rodeo a bunch of times what to do. And then you tell your client, that's what you're going to (laughs) do. If this isn't your first rodeo, or I mean, if it is your first rodeo, then welcome to Cultivate Your Nice Spot. (laughs) (laughs) I am so looking forward to uh, our episode about postage, because I feel again, just like uh, with scheduling and time time frames and stuff, so empowered by what I've learned. I have like this little, um, I'm sure you have one or this little like, Oh yeah. I think they have the post office. I know it's so great. So many good things to come. Oh, I love it. Uh, it's just, especially if you're not from the U S trying to figure, and you have U S clients trying to figure out postage can be a nightmare. So I'm excited about that. Well, Well, do you have anything else you want to wrap up with shipping and mailing? I mean, I think it's a whole nother episode. I'm really happy that we actually got through it all. I know. So this is like the wrap up of the second part of like a general framework overview time. Mini dives into these big client process, like the client experience start to finish. From getting the quote request to mailing the actual invitations. Now you've got it. You set up shop. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you had a question for me. I do. So I was thinking about it because I was thinking about some of my clients last year and clients this year and just kind of that transformation of like the different people you work with. And I don't know, I was like being so reminiscent (laughs) and it got me thinking about all of the envelopes that I've addressed over the years. And I'm sure that we, well, I'm not even, I'm sure I know that we have both worked with NDA clients, which is non-disclosure agreement clients. I'm so which excited is, about this question already. <laughs> I'm like building it up. <laughs> but an NDA client basically means that like you can't disclose anything about mm-hmm. um, like the, the wedding, wedding or the clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, we both have had NDA clients. Yeah. You're nodding your head. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Typically, those NDA clients have like the most insane guest list. <laughs> I have it in mind and, right like, now. <laughs> we're not going to disclose the guest list address, but Mm-mm. I want to hear from you. Who is the most famous person that you have sent an invitation to? And you can give like one or two, three, because I, I know that this is like a total flex, but I think it's a really fun flex. <laughs> <It's> really- <laughs> And I like want to hear from you. I like need this to just kind of be like a shameless guys. Also, I'm a Leo. It's my birthday. In and this is like the most Leo comment, but I'm over here like channeling my Leo energy. And I'm like, we can be like, let's toot our own horns. I want to hear because I feel like I have a fun flex. I love this about you. The, oh, yes. Okay. I'm so, so shameless, just... but I'm like brag to me so I can brag in return. No, I love it but so it's much. It's fun. It's like a it's fun, fun thing. Yeah, so here, because, okay. My, my second and third are when I was a baby stationer. I was no, I was just, there was no, nothing that I did other than a sweet gal who is amazing believed in me. Like there was nothing about me that, that made this happen. And it got my number two and three on this list. So number one, um, Joe Biden is the most famous person. And I don't mean 
sending a complimentary invitation to the president, which is common. I mean, his like personal. personal. Yeah. Um, that was a really nice day. I'm a fan. So that was nice. <laughs> that was number one. Uh, as far as like most famous number two, I feel like we have to add a caveat. There is like a general like publicist address. Oh, look at artists in the back. Hi, oh, artists. Yeah, she's visiting. Hi, Kitty. So yeah, there's like a publicist address, and then there's like the actual his address. personal house in I think it was Delaware. Yeah, not New Jersey, Delaware. Yeah, like his home. Um, this person was uh has a relationship with them. Um, that was a really sweet moment. Um, and then he came and spoke here and I was, and I, yeah, it was just really nice connection. Um, and then second is, uh, Martin short. Um, yeah. Oh, fun. I know that was when I was baby stationer. Um, and then the third is tied to that. It was the same wedding. It was the entire cast of SNL. Um, <gasps> So that was really cool. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm starting to recognize these names. I'm like, oh gosh, I, I know who Kate McKinnon is. What? What? So that was, yeah, that was someone who uh, was a writer on staff uh, a while ago. So anyways. Yeah. Oh, I'm like jaw dropped over here. I'm that smiling. Cool. That is so <laughs> really fun. fun. And honestly, there's a bunch more people, but I, I'm not, you know, this about me. You're like my pop culture happy hour, like resource. I don't. So I didn't I don't like always recognize them until later and I'm like that person only had one name I bet they're famous I should google that yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, famous rapper. oh yeah anyways what about you tell me tell me yours so I have two well there's been a couple because I've done a few okay. NDA clients but I have two that are really fun and they have really funny stories attached yeah so the first is Justin and Haley Bieber oh and which is so funny is because I, and it was their personal address. Like it wasn't their publicist. It was their set address. And I know that because their publicist was also invited and it was a different address. (laughs) And I rewrote that envelope like seven times. Okay. I like had to get it right. Then I Mm -hmm. have my production assistant come over. Her name is Andrina. She is, I love her to death, Mm -hmm. but she is from the country, Austria. Yeah. And so she like speaks fluent German. And I tell her, I'm like, here is the Bieber envelope. I like spent like two hours on it. Like, please tell me it looks good. She's like checking all of my calligraphy for me. And she just like holds the envelope with both hands and looks at me so earnestly. And she's like, Mikayla, this envelope is so beautiful, but you spelled Bieber wrong. And I have spelt it like fiber. <laughs> I'm dying. I would, I don't want to scream laugh like I would in real life because it would like max out the levels, but that I'm just, that's I, I am not kidding. I looked at her and I just started crying. I was like, <gasps> you're kidding me. Like I have <gasps> spent so much <laughs> only to get the oh I and the E fixed up. Oh my goodness. And we were, we like, we laugh about it. And now like, how funny would it be to be that level, like mega superstar famous, and then to get an envelope with your name spelled wrong? Like what a humbling moment that you're like, no matter how famous I get, people still can't get my last name. But not when your name is Bieber. (laughs) 
anyways I don't even know how to spell it is it I before E what is it I don't even know because now I second guess myself I'm like is it E before I is it B-E-I or is it B-I-E I I don't remember don't at me but that was a really fun that whole guest list was fun Mm -hmm. like the Beavers were on there like Cindy Crawford was on it was just a fun one yeah um Taylor Lautner was on there like it was it was such a fun guest list okay but my second flex is Michael Jordan like I, basketball player yes I had the same birthday as him no way yeah fun fact. so what's funny is that like when I wrote that envelope I was like there's no way I'm like this is not going like I remember I this yes. yeah and I didn't mm-hmm. actually think that it was Michael Jordan himself because yeah. I'm like I don't know like people would name their child yeah yeah, I'm like Justin and Haley Bieber, like that is like so clear that it's them. But like Mr. and Mrs. Michael Jordan, I don't I just didn't yeah. believe it. I was like, eh, I'm not gonna like I mean I mm-hmm. tried hard on all of those envelopes. I try hard on every envelope that I write. But yeah. I didn't think about it. And then um it wasn't until this was like a wedding in Lake Como, like a, yeah. an insane wedding. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite projects. I mean, if you get married on Lake Como the the one my number one was also like coma wedding yeah yep they're all bananas like yeah. crazy and so it wasn't until the like the wedding video came out mm-hmm. and the wedding video got posted to instagram and i'm watching it and i like pull it up because kyson and i were like sitting next to each other yeah. and i'm like oh like come I watch this, this wedding movie. video <laughs> remember this and i like start watching it with him and i'm just kind of like enjoying it and kyson goes whoa whoa whoa, wait wait that was michael jordan and i'm like no it wasn't and he's like no that was literally michael jordan and then the wedding videographer like shows another shot of michael jordan and you could totally tell the <laughs> videographer was like trying hard not to show like more Michael Jordan than the bride. But like one eats through. But like definitely there were a lot of clips of Michael Jordan. I remember this video. Yeah. That was really the, funny. The wedding video is insane. And uh, I just like looked at Kyson and I'm like, that I thought that that envelope, like I yes. didn't know that it was him. But I thought that it might be him, but it was him. Yeah. And I joke, I'm like, for all of these weddings, I should have offered to, my joke always is that I should have offered to handle the RSVPs for the guest. Yes. And then I would have gotten all of these like autographs on yes. my work sent to me. <laughs> and I would be like, I have Justin's autograph on my <laughs> RSVP card. <laughs> so special. Oh my goodness. So yeah, uh, those are my really two fun ones. The and like, we don't, and you Michael know, you Jordan. Don't, you don't know the guest list before you get it. And so it's just, just a, it's always a fun, a fun surprise. surprise. You're like, Oh yeah. Like I'm you just have like this, those M's or those J's. We're going to nail those. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. Like I, and I feel like my NDA clients, it's kind of like halfway through the design process that like they email me and they're like, Hey, by the way, here's an NDA. Is that okay? And I'm always, mm-hmm. I'm always fine. Like, yeah. I feel like all of my NDA clients, they've been very agreeable where I can share the invitations Yes. after the wedding is over. Sometimes I'm not sometimes, but if it's a, like a standard client, that sounds 
I'm a standard client. Yeah. I'm just saying like, if it's not a famous person, (laughs) then I can share their invitations even before the wedding, Mm -hmm. as long as I Photoshop the information. And I feel like with my NDA clients, they've been like, yeah, you can totally share, but it has to be even after the wedding is over, like six months after the wedding's over. After and publication has happened, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've always been able, I've never had a situation where I haven't been able to share the work, um, but mm-hmm. I do know that there are circumstances like that with an NDA where you can't even share the work. Yeah, yeah, that's really tricky. I I think the, the one NDA I think we did an NDA. They were a family of lawyers. It was the one, um, it was a political family. And that made a lot of sense um, for like security and safety reasons. Mm. Um, and we just always want to protect that. Like, and for me, yeah. like, it's not, I don't get clients because I flex on my Instagram who my client was. I get clients because I'm showing my work and it's attracting people. Um, totally, same here. Word of, yeah, word of mouth, like that that sort of thing works for word of mouth, like people who enjoyed your services, like sharing that you, you've worked with high profile clients, but like, it's never been an issue for me, even internally to be like, Oh, I want to share that, you know, that this is the person that, um, you know, is on a list. Cause it's just not, it, for, it would make me super nervous and it's against a contract usually, but it just, it doesn't really vibe with like the ethos of our business either. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I have worked with like more celebrity clients, I, I feel like people don't actually Google the names on the invitations. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm never like, let me go look at Shasta's work and Google who her couple was. (laughs) But if I ever was in that type of circumstance where like, I couldn't share, you know, like they were so, the so famous. Yeah. Like you were doing Taylor Swift's invitations and they were like, so, so famous. She's yeah. And they want to keep it is. private. And then yeah. I would honestly factor in the cost of yeah. another design plate. And I would just like, basically while I'm doing production, recreate a, a side one. Mm-hmm. a side like a one-off side one with the exact same details because I'm sure that I would love the project mm-hmm. but a different name and different information so that I can still show what I've created and show my work but that's obviously part of your business a, yeah in a way plan. that is going to protect them and that would be obviously more expensive but ordering one extra plate is going to be so much cheaper when you're doing it in full than yes. doing it like as a second thing yeah just kind of an idea for sure. That's so fun. I love sharing those little, what is it? Kinsey tidbits on office ladies, those tasty, fun little (laughs) questions at the end that are just fun. I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about Michael Jordan and I'm like, I wonder if Shasta has said like (laughs) who her famous people are. Yeah. Gosh. I'm, I don't know if I had a wedding, um, that was in California where a lot of the guests were, I think they were performing at the wedding. Um, and that was really cool. Cause they were at the vendor table and there were some musicians that I didn't know who they were, but I could tell by their names that they were, um, or, you know, performers. And that was really fun. And then, um, I had a wedding at the Willard Continental, which is now kind of infamous hotel. And I know some of the guest lists that was like another political, I do you get any DC weddings. I get a fair amount of DC weddings. I've had DC in the like before, but yeah. it's not like a place that I, I always get them from. I do a lot I of New York weddings. Yeah, I love I love a good New York wedding. Yeah, so good. I don't know. I think I got on someone's list, and now I do a lot of DC weddings, which is fine. But 
Yeah, yeah I do a yeah. lot of Rosecliffe. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> That's good. I get a. Sometimes I wonder. Um, oh, I had this one. Um, this is like a funny story. Um, I had a client who recently they got married in France and they like in there. Have you ever had someone do this where they rented out a chateau for the wedding, but they in their invitations and all their whatever per paraphernalia for their wedding, they renamed it chateau and then their last name. No, I've never kind of like it was not a famous chateau. So it was just kind of a I mean it was beautiful, but like they renamed it. So I thought that that was like a real place. <laughs> I was Googling it. And then I was like Googling his last name too and trying to figure, you know, just wanted to understand who like this family was. And um it, I totally got the wrong family and I totally made up this. I thought they were like wine magnets from Indonesia or something. And they were oh and she's like, goodness. yeah, no, that's not who we are at all. And I was like, okay, cool. Sorry. Whoops. Never mind. Interesting. That's Anyways. crazy. That was a fun place. Okay. Well, I feel really like nice. we're going off like a really fun tangent and I'm. <laughs> all right well this was so fun i loved being able to finish up this whole second part of our two-part episode about setting up shop we are so excited to have everybody here and now that we have that framework and that foundation to kind of do deep dives into these individual topics mm-hmm. before we wrap up our episode i just want to say friends Listeners, guys, if you are enjoying the Cultivate podcast, if you would please leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us, that would help us out immensely. And if you have the ability to kind of like write a few little words and like a little blurb about this podcast and like, you know, combined with your hopefully five out of five star review that would be so appreciated i feel like we get a lot of really fun dms about the cultivate podcast and we so appreciate everybody sharing on social media but if you could also kind of share in apple podcast i am like channeling my leo energy and being so shameless and saying can you please leave us a review that would be so 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 appreciated and then we will of course be sharing those reviews here pretty soon um and kind of sharing what you guys think about us awesome so if you have a one-star review please send me an email (laughs) i still want to hear your critique because i want to get better at podcasting (laughs) i would rather get that personally (laughs) then have the world know (laughs) then have the world know (laughs) we're working on growth we're learning how to podcast as we do it Have a wonderful day, you guys, and enjoy your time creating and crafting. 